Hey, this is Stuart. And I'm Rebecca, and we are the Guilds here in Indonesia serving Jesus. And you're listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. And welcome to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast. My name is Max Terman. I am your moderator, and I am joined this week by Esposo de la Pastora, Dan Marcello. Hey. Hello. <laughs> by worship director, Scott Reed. Hello. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> and associate pastor and leader of the band, Bill Calvin. <laughs> uh, Scott, will you pray for us? Yeah, let's pray. Dear Lord, um, we just thank you for another day, and Lord, as as things start to creep back into normalcy, we thank you for your faithfulness to us so far in this um, pandemic quarantine season. Lord, we do pray for your hand to be upon us and our church and our nation and our world as we try to get back to normal, keep people safe, re, uh, re kind of jumpstart the economy. All of these things that we're trying to deal with, Lord, just uh, be with us. We need you perhaps more than ever, um, or your wisdom, certainly. God, bless this time that we have together now as we, uh, as we talk and think about uh, matters of, of your character and your word. Lord, may it bless us, bless those who hear it. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, Scott, get all us started. Right. Well, this is not the question, but I love the phrasing, so I'm going to read it real quick. It was, Would you rather know all... And be bitter, or know nothing, but be optimistic. <laughs> and I, I don't know if, like, the knowing nothing. Yeah, there's a lot to that. There's um, a lot to that. But the real question, We're no not. less silly, is: Would you rather have eyebrows that make a complete circle around your face, <laughs> or have flat eyelashes that stick out ten inches oh. and cannot be trimmed? Hmm. It does not say that the eyebrow can't be trimmed. Well, that's true. For the sake of the fairness of the game, I'm going to assume that it can't be. So the eyebrow I mean, wraps all the way specified. around the head. I think it is it around your face. Around it's your around. Face? It's around your face. It's like yeah. So it's like a it's like a comb Sir. over eyebrows, comb around eyebrows. Yeah. I go eyebrows. You can't wear sunglasses or regular glasses if you got ten inch eyelashes. I mean, they can kind of like smush. Oh my gosh. <laughs> no. Uh, final answer. Yeah, I was going to say eyebrows, too. I've got a beard. What, what's the difference? More hair. More shaving to do. I'm assuming you can curl those eyelashes. <laughs> they can't be trimmed, can't but they trim. can be curled. <laughs> there you go. Wow. Bill's going with the eyelashes. I like it. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with the eyebrows. And it does, it does say specifically that you can't trim the eyelashes. Mm-hmm. I'm going with the eyebrows because you, I think you might be able to trim them. Mm. Uh, you might find that no, you can't. That's you know, the razor just like just <laughs> a flex around your face. It's like try. this was the rule. We just didn't say it. Yeah. Um, but either way, I think that'd be better. For the record, I would prefer to know nothing and be optimistic. I've decided that I don't want. I don't need the burden of bitterness. Uh, I too. understand your response, but like I would like to reiterate the word nothing. Like <laughs> you do not know how to walk. You don't oh, know how to eat. Oh, <laughs> you oh, you know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you really you're made the bar rolling low. around on the floor. <laughs> That's why I have you. You know everything. Grunting. He's very happy though. You know how to walk for me. I'm so I'm like, I'll learn one day <laughs> as I flop around. Except you don't say that. Right. Well, and I perhaps think it. you don't even think it. I think I know how to think. I think I think your autonomic system is 
fully functional. I'm still breathing. That's not a knowledge. That's true. You're like a baby who's just come out of the womb. That's how much you know. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> this coming Sunday is Pentecost. Dan, uh, can you explain what Pentecost is? Um, well, I wasn't prepared for this question. I know. But <laughs> I never prepare you for these questions. So Pentecost was the... <laughs> <after> <laughs> You're taken so off guard. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. So Pentecost was 50 days after the resurrection of Christ. Mm -hmm. We see the Holy Spirit come on the apostles in power. Mm -hmm. The Bible says it was sound like a rushing wind was heard that uh, flames like fire, uh, flames like fire, flames of tongues of fire rested on their heads mm -hmm. and they began to speak in the languages of the people who were gathered in Jerusalem, sharing the wonders of God with them. Mm -hmm. How is Pentecost traditionally celebrated? Like, I feel like Palm Sunday, we come in with palms. Does anything happen for Pentecost? <laughs> I think the people that celebrate it, they preach on Acts 2. And I, I was in a multi-church celebration. It was mainly black churches. And we filled up this big building, and all the pastors had to wear robes. I remember that being one of the deals. And there were like 20 pastors there, and we had this fabulous multi-church choir. Mm -hmm. And at a certain point, this little boy that was about 11 years old got up and conducted the choir to sing a song he had written. Whoa. It was really, hmm. really a great event. And sure. then Maurice Watson from Salem Baptist Church got up and preached on Be Filled with the Holy Spirit from Ephesians 5, and he didn't finish till he finished Ephesians 6. It's one of the most powerful sermons I ever heard in my life. It was about 45 minutes long. It, it was a great, great experience. So that was the best celebration I've ever yeah. seen. It might be um, the only one I've ever been part of, too, because our church has just really never even <laughs> recognized the day. Sure. Dan, are you doing anything to celebrate Pentecost? I am right here right now celebrating with you guys. That's Woo! right. <laughs> and we're celebrating. Welcome to the 2020 Bloomingdale Church Pentecost Trivia Bowl, Woo! where Dan, Scott, and Bill will compete for bragging rights and the illustrious title of Trivia Champion. My most important question is, are there jelly belly beans? No. Oh. They, what? I swore there would be no more eating on this podcast. I swore I would never be part of Trivia Challenge that didn't have food. Just <laughs> I swore to myself. Mm. These questions... <laughs> These questions are provided by Beth Fleming. Thank you, Beth. Oh. Uh, and listeners, if you'd like to be part of the show, you can send trivia quizzes any time of the year to podcast at bloomingdalechurch.org. Let's get started. My first question is, Bill, what did that face signify when you heard that Beth had submitted the questions? It was oh, a very interesting face. she has hard questions. That's what I thought. Yes. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're, we're writing these questions. I'm not going to So you each have a pad of paper in front of you, courtesy of the Youth Quad's scrap paper bin. I'll throw you a washable marker. I'd like you to write your answers on the pad, and then when everyone's written an answer, then you just announce them, just so that you know we're not going around. There's no changing of answers. Integrity of the game on the Bloomingdale Church podcast. There are eight questions. We will get more difficult as we go. Uh, Beth said in her email, um, I did my best to stump Pastor Bill. Oh, God. So, so I... And this is an open book, open Bible? Certainly not. So the rest of us stand no chance. That's what you said last time. I'm, you're right. And I did and come in lost. last. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, tied for last. All but right, last. let's get started. Uh, we're going to start with, uh, as we know, as, as Dan told the story, um, the, the Holy Spirit comes down upon the apostles, and they begin preaching. They begin preaching, and, and people who are there 
uh, from different areas, different countries, hear the preaching of the gospel in their own native tongue. That's like the power of the Holy Spirit. These flaming tongues, right, come and, and are on them, and then, and then they start preaching. Uh, let's start out, what time of day does this happen? And I'll, I'll give you your multiple choice. 8 a.m., 9 a.m., 10 a.m., 11 a.m., noon. I wrote down morning. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. That's what I'm sticking to. All right. Here, you guys can say your answers. No. Nine. Noon. 9 a.m. It is 9 a.m. Wow. Scott, I'm so sorry. That's, I was a complete guest, so <laughs> I, I'm not offended. Moving on to question number two. On the day of Pentecost, how many people believed and were baptized? 4,000, 2,000, 3,000, 5,000. Luckily, one of those numbers was already in my brain before you read the options, so I'm going to go with that one. <laughs> it was like the, the Easter echidna, even though that was wrong. <laughs> Dan? 3,000. 3,000. 3,000. It's 3,000. Hey, I'm going to give myself a little star. There we go. Well done. <laughs> Points for everybody. Uh, question three. What did Pentecost celebrate for the early Jews? The first appearance of the pillar of fire, God appearing to Moses on Horeb, giving of the law to Moses, the first appearance of manna. Mm. Next question. <laughs> manna I said giving of the law I'll say giving of the law it's giving of the law right. Right. which means well Scott done. and Dan have tied it up oh, yeah. Bill takes that, that one point lead um, what is the Old Testament reference setting the date of Pentecost Leviticus 17 Leviticus 23 Leviticus 5 and Leviticus 27 Leviticus 23. Damn, Bill's already named. That's Leviticus okay. 5. <laughs> I put Leviticus 23 also. It's Leviticus 23! Hey, so that's impressive. So Dan, one behind Bill. Bill's still with the lead. Uh, going into our last two questions. Which Old Testament prophet did Peter quote in the sermon he gives in response to the crowd? Hmm. Isaiah, Amos, Joel, Micah. Is this a trick question? Oh, I hope not. <laughs> I mean, he might have quoted more than one. Oh. I'm going to go with the one that he quoted the most. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Joel. Micah. Joel. It ah. is Joel. It is Joel. It's also Pastor Bill's son's name. Yes, Woo! exactly. <laughs> and our last question. What was the word Pentecost in Hebrew? <laughs> now, I've got the words in Hebrew. Do any of you read Hebrew? Negative. Nope. All right. Well, then I will be trying my best. Uh, our four options are Neila, Sefi Ra, Shavaut, and Ta'anit. <laughs> Incredulous. Bill, Dan? The third one. <laughs> Scott? What was the third one? Shavaot? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was mine too. Bill? I went with Ta'anit. It's Shavaot! Hey! Which means we have a tie! But the good news is, oh, I'm prepared for a tie. We, we can't be Pentecost co trivia co champions? No, we can't. There can only be one. For our final question. I'm still going to hazard a guess. You may remember 
Or you may not. There are, you probably won't. There Those are, are the many countries, nationalities, races of people whose different languages they hear the gospel spoken in their own language, and they say, how can this be? Here we are. And then they list off all of the places that they're from. I would like you to write down on your piece of paper as many of those places mm. as you can remember in the next 15 seconds. I rescind my, I'm going to hazard a guess, <laughs> even though I'm not in the running. <laughs> this doesn't seem as fun. Every time I get one of these quizzes, Scott, you can, like the Easter trivia quiz, I was like, I think these questions are too easy. But that's because I can look at the answers. True. You got to stand. Did he put Jerusalem? <laughs> that might be on there. <laughs> I didn't put that on, but I should. <laughs> I was thinking of different, like foreign languages. Well, there are probably some people. From can you imagine being the one disciple who's speaking <laughs> like a normal language? <laughs> and you're like, How man, can I understand them. I'm from Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it was like a New York accent versus the South. Or something. Right. All right, let's do this. Enough stalling, Bill. Um, uh, Dan, as our defending champion, would you please read your list first? Uh, well, pencils down, the, by the way. The Let one that really slap it. that I remember is Arabs, Sumerians, Phoenicians, Egyptians. I don't know. Bill, congratulations, Bill. You are the champion. Well, not, not necessarily. Yet. There may have been as many as seventeen. So yeah. here we go. I, I put these down: Crete, Parthians, Greek, Mesopotamia. Phrygia, Cappadocia, Laodicea, Bithynia. Amazing. <laughs> Woo! Let me read you the list. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, Mesopotamians, Judeans, Cappad Cappadocians, mm -hmm. people of Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, Libya, Romans, hey. Cretans, Arabs. Wow. I mean, right, go, Asia, Bill. Good job, Bill. Asia is just one Congrats. whole category. Congratulations, <laughs> Bill. You are... The 2020 Bloomingdale Church Pentecost Trivia Champion. Congrats. Uh, you'll be collecting mm. your prize uh, at the end of the show. All right. <laughs> Let's get into the topic of the week. Thank you very much, Beth. Let's all say thank you. Yes, thank, thank you, Beth. Beth. Thank you, Beth. Those were, those were great Make questions. them a little harder next time. <laughs> I like that Hebrew one the most. <laughs> I loved. I think I, I would have got it right, but you were mispronouncing them. Oh, right? that's <laughs> the problem. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Moderator error. That was <laughs> true for all the ones I got wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's get into the topic of the week. Topic of the week this week is brought to you uh, by Virtual Day Camp. This year, Virtual Day Camp includes family activity kits with daily crafts for kids aged preschool through sixth grade, supplies for family activities, a chance to connect with other families on Zoom, as well as lots of cool prizes the whole family can enjoy. Be sure to register on our website, bloomingdalechurch.org slash daycamp, and sign up for a time to pick up your family activity kit from the church. Virtual Day Camp, June 22nd through 26th at 9 a.m. on Facebook Live. Visit bloomingdalechurch.org slash daycamp to learn more. This week, we are uh, continuing our series on the areas of faith that can seem strange or, or scary. Uh, and appropriately enough for Pentecost, we are talking about speaking in tongues this week. Um, it's important to establish right off the bat, when we talk about speaking in tongues, are we talking about different human languages, like in the story of Pentecost, or are we talking about something else? Like, what do we mean when we say speaking in tongues? I think it refers to both. <laughs> to be honest, you look at the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, 
talks about if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels. Mm. I think that's referring to both and. Like we saw with the case with the apostles, we were just talking about they were speaking in languages that people in Jerusalem from all over the place who were just visiting the city could understand. And also uh, there's that aspect of it, like in also in the book of, of First Corinthians, that they needed an interpreter because no one could understand these languages that the people were talking. Right. So that when we indicates say... It's not like human languages, like for an sure. angelic language, possibly. So in a modern sense, when someone says like, oh, we speak in tongues in my church, what are they talking about? Probably depends mm. on the church. Okay. Um, what I have witnessed of speaking in tongues, it would be the, the latter, the um, not human languages. But I also think that, I'll be candid, I think that there's a lot of abuse of speaking in tongues and mm. there's a lot of misunderstanding of speaking in tongues, mm. which potentially either leads to a misuse of it or like a, I should do this because I feel this. And I, I think the, the, cir- the circumstances in which I've observed people quote unquote speaking in tongues, because there is like real speaking in tongues, and I think there's some other stuff too, uh, I don't think it was like real. Mm. Um, and so it was also not something that I understood or that anyone interpreted. And it didn't sound like a real language in those uh, contexts. Sure. We believe in tongues, that it's alive today. There are quite a few tongue-speaking churches in the CMA. They generally don't make it a big part of the public worship service. One thing that excites me about this gift of tongues is there are times when people will speak in a public way in a tongue. Mm. And then the question is asked, does someone here have an interpretation? And an interpreter rises Mm. and gives the meaning of the tongue in the vernacular of the people. And oftentimes this adds up to a prophecy. Mm. And the time I'm thinking of is, this was in Central America that man spoke in tongues, the interpreter stood up, gave the interpretation, and what the man had done was he told the whole church where water could be found in their town. Mm. And the church dug a well in that spot, and the town was grateful. Mm. So Peter Wagner, the great teacher at Fuller, said, Tongues and interpretation equals prophecy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Makes sense. So I, I hate it when people disparage any gift of the Holy Spirit. Sure. And in fact, we're told in the Bible, do not disparage a gift of prophecy. I think, whoa. But the church has done that for years and years and years. And you got to be really careful because it's, it's dissing God to do that. Mm-hmm. Bring up a good point that the two are really linked. Yeah. I think you look at a book like First Corinthians where I think that was the problem was like the church mm-hmm. was going around speaking in tongues. Everyone was speaking in tongues. The services were out of control mm-hmm. and there was like no interpretation behind it. So it just was confusing and people were just kind of speaking without any kind of order. Sure. Yeah. Paul and that just led to chaos. Yeah. yeah. Paul says in First Corinthians 14, 27, if anyone speaks in a tongue, uh, two or at the most three should speak one at a time, and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Hmm. And that's that's been my experience with seeing people speak in tongues is always without an interpreter, which sure. is why I think it's misused a lot. Sure. Or like misunderstood. Let me say, um, 
because I'm I'm super curious about this topic because mm-hmm. um, I I know almost nothing about it. You know, the church I grew up in, we, as far as I understand, never had anyone speaking in tongues. Really, never talked about it. If we did, it was like maybe metaphorical or in reference to Pentecost. And the thing about it is, uh, I love the story of how Andre Crouch learned to play the piano. One of the the father of modern gospel music learned to play the piano. His father was a was a traveling pastor, and he went with him. He's like six years old, and they're like, oh, we don't have anyone to play the piano for the hymns. And he's like, Andre will play the piano. And Andre's like, I don't know how to play the piano. And he's like, sit down. God will do the rest. Hmm. And he spontaneously starts playing the chords out of the hymnal. Wow. And that's how he learns to play the piano. And, like, I believe that story because I love Andre Crouch and also because I understand, like, God is fully capable of, of – of overcoming our human limitations. So I struggle with this idea of like, I don't understand what speaking in tongues is, like what role it has in the Christian life, how to identify it. Um, And I think sometimes it's treated almost as like a taboo. But as Bill says, it is like this, like you don't, I don't want to diss God because like Paul talks about it. Like to Paul, it was foundational to the Corinthian church, you know, and, and also so important to them that maybe, you know, it could be overused and it could, you know, push mm-hmm. them the wrong way. So I, I want to try and take that chance as someone who's so ignorant of it to get as much context as I can. One of my questions on my notes is just the sentence, is speaking in tongues real? Because I think the intuitive, the, the, the inherent answer is yes, mm-hmm. but what does it mean for speaking in tongues to be real? And, and you talked about it meaning prophecy. What is its role in, like, worship? What is its role in the Christian life? I, mean, I feel like I could speak to that. I mean, I, I speak in tongues, not in, like, a public kind of way. For me, it takes the form of, like, a private prayer language with the Lord. Hmm. And, it, and it's kind of interesting because I feel like uh, there's two modes of praying in the sense, at least in my own personal prayer life, that it's, like, just a regular praying to God. But I feel like tongues... It's kind of like when you take it to a deeper level, like I'm just going to set time aside. I really want to pray and spend intentional time with the Lord. And I feel like that's when I start speaking in tongues, when it's not like a rushed prayer or like when it's like intentional time of like deep seeking the Lord in prayer, I feel like is when I'm able to speak in tongues. Hmm. Do you, um, I've, to my knowledge, never spoken in tongues (laughs) Um, and haven't had like a lot of opportunity to talk to someone that I, respect and trust about mm-hmm. the issue from like a personal experience do you when you're doing it do you feel like you're understanding the heart of what you're saying or it, how like what does it feel like it's kind of uh, it's an odd feeling because you like my lips are moving i'm talking i'm not necessarily i'm not the one control in like in control mm-hmm. which i mm-hmm. think is what freaks a lot of people out about it of mm-hmm. like like especially about some of the gifts of the spirit and i think that's why we see a lot of things like cessationism versus like, are they gifts for today versus not for today? And I, I definitely think they are for today. But I think when you, like, well, like when, what do you mean you're not in, like, control of what you're saying? It's not, well, God is not a God of chaos but of order. And you're not going to have you saying stuff that's wrong or be having you do stuff that's crazy. Mm-hmm. But it is a, it's a very worshipful experience, mm-hmm. which I really appreciate about it. And it's not like a switch, something can, like, I feel like I can flip on and off, mm-hmm. like a switch, like I'm controlling it or I'm saying it, but... Like I said, like when I enter into these times of like deep, like wanting to worship God, wanting to connect with Him in prayer, is when I feel like it kind of unlocks. I guess maybe mm. for a better word, like for a better word. Sure. But I mean, I think a lot of tongues gets colored by like a lot of the negativity mm-hmm. 
Like I remember one of the first time, my first experience with tongues, not myself personally, but seeing it, I was probably like six or seven years old. We were walking out of a store. There was like a revival happening. It was a tent, mm. like in the parking lot. And this pastor was like praying over a lady. He was like, speak in tongues, speak in tongues. She's like, I can't do it. It's like, mm. it's not coming. It's like, you got to pray harder. And I was like really negative. Like, man. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's what a lot of people kind of visualize of like, man, mm-hmm. this maybe have had a negative experience with it or a lot of, a lot of Christians out there or groups will say, well, if you don't speak in tongues, you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, sure. which we don't believe in the Alliance. It's one of the evidences. We don't believe it's the only evidence, which mm. other denominations do. So I think that puts pressure on people of like, well, I don't want anything to do with this because it just seems forced. And- in those denominations, I mean, I've not lived I've not lived and worshipped in one, but it seems to me like it would also just cheapen it, you know, because how often do you think, it's kind of a hypothetical question, like how often do you think people are just making the sounds, making weird sounds to, because that's what you got to do. Sure. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I don't want people to think that I'm not filled with the Holy Spirit, so I'm going to do this because that will sure. that'll convince them. And I think with all gifts of the Spirit, as Dan was just saying, we just have to be really careful to remember they're gifts of the Spirit. Mm-hmm. They're not things that we control. It's God gifting you to use this thing, whether it be tongues or healing or prophecy or administration <laughs> for you know his purposes not for your purposes yeah it's for his glory that's a good mm-hmm. a good word and a good reminder i've seen a lot of specifically churches that emphasize speaking in tongues really go awry or astray sure. when it becomes like oh we're better than this other group that doesn't do it we have more faith because we have, there's this evidence that we're filled with the spirit yes that's true but it doesn't mean those other churches don't have that in mm-hmm. other ways like scott's saying yeah. so it can really lead to some Pride if people aren't or groups aren't careful. Mm-hmm. As staff, you know, as as leadership, when it comes to talking to to people in the congregation about speaking in tongues, like what can we say? Well, we do have the Bible, <laughs> <laughs> so this is in the Bible. This isn't something that yeah. has come along in the last hundred years, and that all gifts from God are good gifts. He doesn't mm-hmm. give out any bad gifts, mm-hmm. and it's a useful gift. So let's not disparage it. Yeah. yeah. The other thing we can say is what is said in Alpha. Nicky Gumbel spends 10 minutes in one of his talks on how to be filled with the Holy Spirit on tongues. And one of the reasons he speaks of it is unusual things happen, not every single time, but regularly enough when people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm. So they wonder, what is going on? Why am I weeping? What, what is happening? Why am I so joyful all of a sudden? Why are these words that I don't understand coming out of my mouth? Well, I'm glad he talks about it very forthrightly. And it's so that people aren't just freaked out when they receive the Holy Spirit in his fullness. So I really appreciate Alpha's teaching on it. They don't overemphasize it. They don't say you have to speak in tongues or you haven't been filled. It's simply, this is one of the signs. Don't be thrown if this happens with you. Sure. So Nikki Gumbel is essentially saying like the when a person believes in Jesus, they get filled with the Spirit, but then there's a secondary experience that comes mm-hmm. where you're filled in totality with the Holy Spirit. Was that, yes. would that be referred to as the baptism of the Holy Spirit yes. in some denominations? Can you explain what that is? I, I take it that... The baptism of the Holy Spirit is the first time you are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. 
But we have to be filled again and again and again because we leak. Mm. And mm. True. that's why I pray every day to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray for my children to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I want that for them. To someone who wants to believe in that spiritual gift of speaking in tongues, who wants to see God's glory in it and value it and see it um, really fit into the rest of that section of Corinthians when Paul's mm -hmm. talking about all of those gifts, many of which we can see with our own eyes active in the church in people today. And I think speaking in tongues is one of those ones that is either hit or miss, depending on what church you know, you're going to. Mm -hmm. To the people who want to see that, but struggle to believe, or the people who want to see it, but struggle to know how, what do we say to them? I think it's actually very simple and down to earth that we've overcomplicated it. Hmm. And that people who don't even know how to read and write have experienced these things and they understand it implicitly. And I think of how we overcomplicated even what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We have entire books written on the subject and all we really need is about maybe a quarter of a page out of the Bible, and there's a good explanation. But I read all those books because it tied in with ordination, and there were good books, but I really think we've overcomplicated it. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as pray, ask, believe, and accept. Accept that maybe this gift isn't going to be given to me. And not to be despairing over it. We, yeah. we don't despair over all the other gifts not being given to us. Um, we just have to learn to accept that. I would love to be able to have this gift of prophecy. And I think the closest I get to it is when we're praying at Alpha on the Holy Spirit weekend, the Lord brings to mind scripture passages that tie in with that particular person. So I tell them the verse that came to my mind. And people really appreciate that. And it just pierces their spirit. But I'm not a prophet in the sense of, say, John Wimber, who would just look out at an audience, even a small audience, and say, there is someone here today who's unable to conceive a child, why don't you come to the front, be prayed for, because God wants to give you a child. And this happened in England, and because everybody there is so aloof, Nikki Gumbel said, well, nobody's going to go forward. Boom. <laughs> a lady named Sarah goes forward. But, huh, she's got the right name for this. <laughs> John Wimber prays for her. Nine months later, she has a baby. So he had this word of knowledge, mm -hmm. prophetic word of knowledge. It really is something that would just set that family's life on fire, that this happened. I mean, that's something you would never forget. You would raise that child with that story, that God is on your life. Listen to the story mom's going to tell you. Mm. I, I just love this. I, I just think this is so awesome. And I love what you said, Dan, about, you know, it's, it's for God's glory. That's why gifts are given. Um, to me, it's kind of like, man, that would be really hard for that pastor to not be like, man, I just like performed a miracle. <laughs> um, and, and to know that like when God works through us, like it's God working 
and then in very small letters, like through us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think it's hard sometimes not to take too much ownership of our spiritual gifts. I think I teach the the IPSAT class, and, and the IPSAT's really cool, and, and the week on spiritual gifts is really fun. And it's super important to, like, you know, take hold of your spiritual gifts and be confident in them and intentionally try to grow them and ask God, like, what did you give me this for and how can I use this for your glory? It's a good point because I think some people might be tempted to say, well, I've got these spiritual gifts, but I don't really like these. I want these other ones yeah. and kind of spend time pining away for what they don't have and instead of cultivating what they do have. Sure. Really seeking to grow in that and go deeper. Sure. It reminds me of, again, we're going to, we're really in First Corinthians today. It's a, such a good book. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know that all these these different gifts, it's like you know the body. The, you know, mm-hmm. Who's the the mm. ear to say, oh, I don't need you eyeball. <laughs> yeah, you know that we're all gifted in different ways for the edif- mutual edification of each other, of like lifting each other up, encouraging one another. So tongues is definitely a part of that. What's the biggest way that tongues can edify the body of Christ? Like, how? What's the biggest way that someone can serve with tongues? I I really believe in really enriches your prayer life. And so by by praying for people, by really leaning into that that depthful prayer and being, you know, carried along by the Holy Spirit in that prayer. And like like Bill said, I think I think in that God will show the person who's praying in tongues, you know, maybe there's a, a word to speak to someone or a Bible verse come to mind to to share that may be impactful. Hmm. And like Bill said, set their spiritual life on fire, potentially. I agree. I personally don't speak in tongues. I wish I did, but it just hasn't happened. But I've noticed that the people and the churches that have forthright tongues speakers, they really are churches of prayer. Hmm. Very impressive. Very impressive. I think of Cho's church in Seoul, Korea, where people take vacations to go into a prayer grotto and pray for a whole week. Whoa. And the prayer grottos handle up to 10,000 people altogether. You know, it's it's the side of a mountain with lots of grottos. And it sounds like there are times where they just pretty much fill up the mountain with people praying. And that explains why that church has so many miraculous things happening all the time. And it grew. The church has 400,000 people in it now. Through salvations, they used to be Buddhists, but they've won them to Christ through, through really the power of the Holy Spirit just flowing through those people. You know, about tongues, there's one thing we didn't mention at all, and there is singing in tongues. Hmm. Really? And it's the most beautiful music I've ever heard in my life. I've only heard it on a couple of occasions. The first time was in Chicago at the 1985 Church Growth Conference, and Pastor Cho was the speaker. So the group that he was preaching to met in the old opera building. So the acoustics were just perfect. And it's, it's not that big of a place. At the most, it seated 1,000 people. I don't even think it seated that many. And the place was full of Koreans because Cho is Korean. So at a certain point, during the singing, particularly all these Korean people, they started singing in tongues. And I knew this wasn't Korean. That's about all I knew. (laughs) This is the most beautiful music I have ever heard in my life. It just sounded like there were 
angels up in the peak of the dome of this building. It was just spectacular. And then I heard it again a couple years later at a Phil Driscoll concert. He, he led people in singing in tongues. And again, it was, it was just unworldly beautiful because it's just regular people. This wasn't a choir. This was just a group of people there for a meeting. But the, the singing was just, it was unbelievable. I, not even like the Chicago Lyric Opera could pull off what these regular people were doing. And, and that said to me, okay, this is God. That's awesome. Yeah. I had never heard of singing in me tongues neither. before. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> it's one thing that popped in my mind just real briefly is with the case with tongues and any spiritual gift. If we speak in the tongues of men and angels, whatever we do, with our spiritual gifts as well, different varied spiritual gifts. If we don't have love in it, it's nothing. That's mm, the, the mm -hmm. linchpin behind it. That's yeah. What matters most. Amen. I think it's so easy to just like brush it off, mm -hmm. you know, just discount it. That's really weird. I never mm -hmm. see that. That doesn't happen mm -hmm. anymore, really. Not in my life anyway, whatever. And I think this isn't probably the only step, but just read some of the passages about it. Google it. First Corinthians 14 is one of them. You know, just read it. And try to understand and pray about it. Like, don't don't brush under the rug. If you want to understand, try to understand. Don't say like, I don't understand. Maybe I never will. Like, just put in the effort, mm -hmm. uh, and I think you'll you'll come to a deeper a deeper understanding and appreciation for it. Because Paul talks pretty pretty clearly about what it's for uh, in First Corinthians fourteen. Like, it's not like he's like really, really vague and he's like, oh, you know, it's a mysterious thing. He does call it mysterious, but he also talks about what it's for. So yeah. you can. You can grow a lot just by seeking to understand. Yeah. Well, it's time once again for My Colleagues Rock, the part of the show where we get to brag about the amazing people that we work with. Um, I'd like to brag on Chelsea and Daniel, our co-youth directors, because they've done a really good job organizing dropping off boxes for uh, the teens who are graduating and, well, the not teens, the college graduates. Yeah. And, I was uh, thinking the same thing. Huh. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. I think mm -hmm. this is going to be better than the typical graduation stuff, actually. That, that's this weekend, right? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Wow. My car doesn't even have a horn, and I'm excited about it. Mickey Lang is our new intern. Yeah. And I haven't gotten to do anything with him yet. How could you? Other than be in a staff meeting. It's with quarantine. Him. Yeah, exactly, over Zoom. But... Welcome. We didn't welcome him last week, so we should welcome him this week. Welcome, welcome Mickey. Lang. Hey. <laughs> Take up the Bill Mantle of clapping. This is, it's true. He can't clap for well. He will. You'll you'll clap for yourself. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if you would like to be part of the show, you can send questions, would you rather, trivia quizzes, uh, or quiz show answers to podcast at bloomingdellchurch.org. For our closing segment this week, I think it's time to officially hear from the 2020 Bloomingdale Church Pentecost Trivia Champion. Bill, do you have anything you want to say to your fans out there? <laughs> well, I don't know if I have any fans out there. I think, well, Nancy doesn't listen to the show. Nancy so. doesn't listen to the show. So there you go. Jonathan Pedraja does. <laughs> you go, Jonathan. <laughs> <laughs> the three of us are your fans, too. All right. True. Yeah, yeah very true. Uh, that's all the time we have this week. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Thank Max. You, Max. Bill, take us home. 
You have been listening to the Bloomingdale Church Podcast, brought to you from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. Someone's going to come in like pretty far, you know, like 20, episode 20 or whatever. That'll be the first one they listen to. And we're just here like applauding for each other. Yeah. We've got this ridiculous sign off because <laughs> we just never I've been, I've been banned from doing the Heart of the Nation because I messed it up one time. No, I yes. think I did skip you. Yes, I've been banned because I said live one time. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, and I said the Heart of America. Oh, I said the Heart I'm of sorry. America. <laughs> Dan, do you want to do it? No. I'm no, joking. here, do it. I don't want to do it. Dan? I don't want to. Take me home. I'm just kidding. You already were taken home. Dan, take us home. You can't be taken Dan, home again if you've already been taken Dan, I skipped you by accident. Take us back out, Dan. Take, Scott, take us back out. Um, yeah, so uh, I've, I've never personally spoken in tongues before. Well, that's, that's all the time that's we really have. That's all I have to say about that today. <laughs> Thank you, Bill. <laughs> Thank you, Scott. Thank you, Dan. Dan, take us home. You've been listening to the Bloomingdale Church podcast, not live, pre-recorded. <laughs> Here from Bloomingdale, Illinois, the heart of the nation. That away. Well done. <laughs> I'll put them both in. Just back to back. Well, good job being the champion, Bill. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> um, we will wear the mantle proudly. <laughs> so we get to the, what, the 4th of July trivia? <laughs> <laughs>